tonight. Revelation 2, we'll look at 8 through 11. Uh, last week we looked at, again, the church of Ephesus, the first of seven letters written by the Lord to these churches in Asia Minor, where modern-day Turkey is. We also touched on the, the, you know, the idea that seems to be real clear that each of these churches uh, you know, uh, addresses a, a, a period in church history. And we'll see that once again with the church of Smyrna. The church of Ephesus seems to be the first century church that laid the foundation. And the Lord's commended them on their labor and you know, on their really uh, resolute heart to stand for truth and doctrine. They tested those that were apostles and that found out those that were liars and hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And God commended them in that. And you know what, that's something we're called to do is to test all things. God commends that. The problem was, remember, they drifted from their first love. And the Lord really charged them to repent of that and get back to loving the Lord and putting Him first. That they wouldn't just stand in truth, but they'd stand in truth and love. That's a powerful combination that God wants us to walk and abound in. So tonight, we come to this second letter to the church of Smyrna. And we'll see tonight that with this church, it's one of two churches where there's no words of rebuke. There's just words of encouragement and praise and kind of prophetic words about what was going to come and yet reassurance that the Lord was going to see them through. And so let's read this letter. It's again, it's just a few verses. We'll lay out a little bit more, uh, you know, at, of, of a foundation. And then we'll just break this down a verse at a time, kind of a phrase at a time as well. So it says in verse 8, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And so the Lord's talking to this church about the tribulations and sufferings that they had gone through. And now he's telling them, you're going to go through more tribulations. He gives them some specifics, which we'll talk about. But in all of it, he gives them assurance that, again, he's going to use this for good in their lives and to the glory of God. Now when we begin to talk about tribulations and persecutions and so forth, there's oftentimes people that will stand up and they'll insist that the church needs to go through the great tribulation. And you know, we've talked about the various views of that, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture, which you know what I've talked about, I definitely lean towards that. There's others that say we'll go through part of it. Some say we're going to go through all of it. Oftentimes, though, what I hear from people that say we're going to go through it is they'll throw out there because the church needs to be purified through a tribulation. And listen, that's an erroneous uh, approach because tribulation doesn't purify us. It might help us practically to draw near to the Lord and the Lord can use that to practically grow us in Him. But practically, again, in our day-to-day life, Total purification is not going to come till you go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a matter of fact. I mean, you can be persecuted all your life, but you're going to still have a flesh nature that follows you around. 
beautifully listen the thing that has purified us and has washed us practically that has made us a pure bride isn't our actions or anything we go through but it's the lord jesus christ and what he has gone through for us on our behalf notice ephesians 5 25 it says husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her and that's where all the ladies go amen you know and then he says again talking about jesus and using this as an example for husbands but even more so talking about what christ has done for all of us verse 26 that he might again christ loved the church and gave himself for her us that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself notice a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but they that she should be holy and without blemish and so this idea we got to go through a tribulation to be holy and without blemish before god that's nonsense listen that's through the shed blood of the lord jesus christ and faith in him and faith in him only got loud some loud stuff out here tonight so faith in him only that's what positionally makes us right before the lord practically again god's growing us in him but the only thing that makes us right and a bride that is washed is the shed blood of the lord and maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're wrestling just with shortcomings in your own life and sins and maybe past things listen take those thoughts captive and know that if your faith is in christ and you've called on his name that he has washed you that you are cleansed that you're in right standing with god positionally through the work of the cross and then practically in our day-to-day lives we're in a process of growing in the lord but rejoice in the finished work of the cross can we say amen to that tonight and never fall to that idea that again it's jesus plus what i got to do to be right with the lord it's jesus and jesus only it's faith in him and a hundred percent of what the lord has done for us and then out of that absolutely we want to abound in him we want to live for him we want to grow in him we want to reflect him more in our lives everyone that names the name of christ indeed and you know truthfully would would say that and agree with that now listen again some some get this idea though that the tribulation is going to purify the church and then you know what um some get this idea that you know what the church really hasn't had a lot of tribulation so you know uh, they they you know they need to go through that to fulfill some of these you know scriptures where the lord says in the world you're going to have tribulation and so forth and 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 that that's just completely ignorant as well the church has gone through much tribulation already and it's going to keep going through it till jesus returns in fact acts 14 22 we looked at this some weeks back jesus or, or paul said uh, you know in, in talking to early disciples it says strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them continuing the faith and he said to them we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of god And again, we don't enter through tribulations, we enter through the shed blood of the Lord. But in that process of going from here to there, the Lord says, and Paul says, there's going to be many tribulations along the way. Absolutely, there are. There are going to. So as far as the great tribulation, when we go through that, I hope not. Biblically, I definitely see way more scripture. We'll get into this in Revelation. We've gotten into it the whole last year that God's going to take us out before that because the tribulation is predominantly about Israel. And Israel coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is Daniel's 70th week for his people 
the Jews. And we see the church age again in the time that we are in right now. We talked about that in the outline of Revelation. But listen, with that said, if you're here tonight and you're craving for tribulation, you're craving for persecution, you want that? Because seriously, there's some Christians running around and they're fixated on the great tribulation. And this idea like, I'm looking forward to that and so forth. But listen, if, if you are, I've got a solution for you right now if you want more of that. Start living for Jesus Christ right now and it will come knocking on your door. It absolutely will. And hear this, you, you don't, we're going to have, we'll talk a little about China tonight and Canada and some other place a little bit about here. You don't have to go there to get that. Do you know that? In fact, 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. They're going to go through tribulation. It might look a little different than any of these other places, but listen, I can attest that this is 100% true, that absolutely you're going to get persecuted, you're going to go through tribulation, there's going to be spiritual warfare, there's going to be times where the enemy is pounding you day after day, morning after morning, night after night, with his accusations, with all sorts of, you know what, different types of afflictions in your spirit and so forth. And absolutely, there's going to be individuals that come at you to persecute you, to, you know, take you through tribulations. There's going to be individuals that want nothing to do with you because of your stance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's even, you know, close family members and friends and so forth. And oftentimes those wounds are deeper than even physical stripes that could be put upon your soul. Can anyone bear witness to that tonight? It's just the absolute truth of the matter. So if you got this mentality, well, you know, in the Western, there's no tribulation, persecution. That could be very well more of a reflection of your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Could be. Maybe it's not. But it could be. Because 2 Timothy, again, 3.12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will. Doesn't say might. Doesn't say could. Doesn't say we'll see. It says they will suffer persecutions. It absolutely will. And sometimes that's just your name thrown out as evil. Sometimes that's just being excluded. You ever been excluded for being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Anyone here tonight? Isn't it good to come out here tonight to be included in the body of Christ, though? Isn't that so much better? It happens. Again, it, it has happened. It is happening, and it will happen until the Lord comes for His church. And in this day we are living in right now, these things are heating up greatly persecutions against the body of christ and christians they are heating up greatly just like jesus christ said would be the case right at the end of the age and before a second coming again we go back to matthew 24 which we kind of started this whole end time study with about a year ago when the disciples came to christ and said what would be the signs of your coming and the end of the age and you know when he talked about deception more than anything else and that's why that message last week was so important on testing doctrines and individuals and so forth by God's word. He talks about deception more than anything, wars and rumors of wars and, you know, all these various things, you know, the earth and so forth, the love of many growing cold, several other things. But he also said in Matthew 24, 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, this isn't the Lord saying that every Christian is going to be killed before his coming. But absolutely, it's him saying that if you're going to live for me, 
and other places where he says we're going to have tribulation, but especially before the end of the age, you're going to have tribulation, and absolutely there will be many that are martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. And we see this exploding, really, around the world right now. Here's some headlines, and and I, I could even argue this was a light week. This is all stuff from this past week of things going on against the body of Christ and individuals around the world. And as I touch on this, this is, you know, to stir our hearts to be praying for our brothers and sisters in various places, to be praying for one another. And also, you know what, to, to, to have an awareness that if you face some persecution and tribulation for being a follower of the Lord, it's nothing unusual. It's par for the course. But in a minute here, we're getting into this letter, and we're going to get great encouragement that the Lord is with us every step along the way. And the Lord knows what's going on, and the Lord's going to see us through, and the Lord works all this for our good and for his glory so these are some different headlines this is from pump uh, front page magazine uh april 23rd islamic state executes another christian on video they're back to doing this this wasn't happening for a while in the last administration you really didn't hear about it but this is back being a thing again we're not only there in the middle east are they you know what executing christians but they're videoing these things and putting them online. You talk about something incredibly wicked and sinister with no fear of God. And what kind of religion, you know, it converts people out the sword. That's not even a real conversion. The heart has to be converted, amen? That has to be a willful decision to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But just a little of this article. It says in a video released last Saturday, April 17th, Muslims connected to the Islamic State executed a Coptic Christian in Sinai, Egypt. The slain was identified as a 62-year-old, says his name here. And the video appears on his knees with three masked men holding rifles standing behind him. The one uh, in the middle launches into a typical uh, jihad diatribe and you know praise Allah and all this stuff they try to get him to deny the Lord he refuses to do it and then on camera they execute him this is happening right now this is happening in our world right now we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters especially in these countries where there is persecution to this degree and absolutely there is we need to be aware of it again lifting them up to the Lord and then a few other you know at headlines over in China, and I think all of us hopefully are aware of the types of persecutions that are happening in China. Uh, we've heard recently of Christians being in reconditioning camps for up to 12 years or 10 years and being tortured every day trying to uh, you know, make them renounce their faith in the Lord. You hear of uh, martyrs and so forth for the cause of Christ. Recently, they were going after all the Christian pastors in the underground churches. And so these guys were getting rid of their cell phones and their identity badges that have trackers in them. That's the direction our world is headed to, just so you know, just so you're aware, just so you could be praying and so forth. And hopefully we can be salt and light to slow down the rot till Jesus comes, amen. But getting rid of those things because so they wouldn't be found because again, arrest in many cases and in other cases, uh, uh, martyrs, you know, killed for the cause of Christ. And I won't read these, but these are just the headlines. China shuts down Bible app, Christian WeChat, as a new crackdown policy goes into effect. And so it's them shutting down all of the apps. How many of you guys use any electronic Bibles tonight? 
listen, them shutting all that down, having no access to those things on the internet. And absolutely, that's a persecution of the body of Christ and absolutely a strike against the person of Jesus Christ. And then another headline, uh, this is a Voice of American News. It says, new Chinese decree tells religious leaders to support the Communist Party. And basically they're saying every pastor has to support the Communist Party, which is Antichrist, just so you know. Teaches that, you know what, Christ is not God. Uh, actually, in the Chinese Bibles, they are re- rewriting several parts of the Bible and they, they've written it to say Jesus is a sinner. They've taken the section where the woman caught in adultery is brought to the Lord and they say the Lord picks up stones and murders her and they exalt their president as being a Messiah. I mean, you talk about no fear of God and now they're telling the pastors there in the underground church that you can say nothing against the Communist Party. You must support the Communist Party and if you don't, there's going to be sanctions and criminal charges. So this is just even little drops of what's going on over there. And I'll tell you tonight, some might be thinking, well, China, there's not that many Christians there. There's far more born-again Christians in China than America. Estimates up to 300 million, 300 million Christians in China. There ain't 300 million Christians in America. They ain't even close. We got 350 million people. And you start breaking down those that say they're evangelical, and you break down how many of those have a Christian worldview, and you're looking at 5% or under. Now, I don't know anyone's heart, but I know this. A Christian should have a Christian worldview according to the Scripture, which a lot of those surveys include, is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus God? And so forth. And yet the majority of the people nowadays are answering those things in an unbiblical way. So the Lord knows if they know the Lord or not, but I think all we've got to do is look at the, the fruit of our culture here to see that we sadly are in a post-Christian era in America. Does that mean we quit praying for our country? Absolutely not. It's all the more we pray for it. It's all the more we put our hope in the Lord and our trust to Him and we look to Christ. Can we say amen to that tonight? And then, um, this is really interesting, in Finland of all places. And so now we're moving to the West. You know, Western Europe and, you know, the Western part of the world. In Finland, the, 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 uh, the headline says, Christian politician formally charged over views, and this is what's going to tie into last week, on marriage and sexuality, and this is from Christianity Today on April 30th. Remember last week we talked about those commended by the Lord who tested those who said they were apostles and found out they were not. Touched on a few matters, one being on the, the, the great uh, you know, invasion of this idea of homosexuality being accepted by God and being welcomed into so many churches in America. And that, that's neither godly nor loving. It just absolutely isn't. That's the, you know, the, the lifestyle of one that won't inherit the kingdom of God when they're embracing that and upholding that and, and you know, it, promoting that as something accepted by God. It's far different when there's someone that struggles with that, acknowledges it as sin and comes to the Lord for forgiveness. They might struggle with that their whole life. But are there any of us here that don't struggle with something our whole life? Be honest about it. But let's move to this promotion. And I read several articles of churches not testing these things by the word, but instead embracing them to be approved of by the world. And what we're seeing is that pastors and even politicians and 
others that are taking a stance for biblical marriage are absolutely beginning to be persecuted in a heavy, heavy way. Some being jailed, some, again, losing their places in society and so forth. And I've talked about this for a lot of years. And it's not to, you know what, come against individuals that are walking in this sin. I want to see them born again to get saved, to get set free. It's not to single them out or to overly talk about something that I don't enjoy talking about at all. But this is an issue that the enemy of our souls using as a catalyst to persecute the church, to say that we're bigots, to say that we're hateful, to try to associate this somehow with civil rights, that, you know, you're prejudiced and, you know, you guys are like the Ku Klux Klan or something, when these are things that the Bible deems as an abomination. These are things that destroy cultures and so forth that destroy individuals these are lifestyles that are incredibly you know what disease ridden and that i mean the average gay man lives to be 42 years old i mean for goodness sakes and we're promoting this as good we're encouraging our youth in this and again the scripture's clear about this it's really clear but those that are fundamental they're going to stand in the word They're going to hold up the words of Jesus Christ who said from the beginning God made them male and female. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the masculine to the feminine, the two shall be one flesh. That's all that's approved by the Bible. Not fornication, not lusting in the heart, not adultery, one man, one woman and holy matrimony. That's what we are called to stand for. That's God's plan. That's God's perfect way. And yet the church is going to be fundamental. That's going to be biblical. Is that us tonight? Can we say amen to that? Listen, in standing in that truth, there is a great persecution and the enemy's just, you know, going like this with his hands and he says, I got what I need to deem them as evil as we call that which is good evil and that which is evil good. I'm telling you over the years, you guys hear me preach up here, but I've told you a few times of the backlash that i get out there from sermons that are taught here i mean some people just viciously so upset threatening and all this kind of stuff and it's like no i gotta stand in the truth trying to pressure me to go light on this stuff you can't talk that way who do you think you are and so forth i know who i am i'm a sinner saved by grace And I was saved by the gospel that was preached and the call to repent from my sexual sin to put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to hold that back from anybody that needs to hear that same liberating message. But notice in this article it says, Finland's uh, prosecutor general has formally charged a Christian MP after she expressed a traditional view on marriage and sexuality. And it says her name, I can't, this is like some... Finished name. I need my wife up here. She actually speaks Danish, and it's Pavai uh, Rosinen. I, I, I can barely read English, so you know, I put a finished name here. It says the country's former uh, minister of interior. Listen to this: is accused of hate speech over her comments. Are you ready for this? In a 2004 pamphlet, a 2018 TV show, and a recent tweet, three charges have been brought against her. Each carrying, are you ready for this? A two-year prison sentence for a pamphlet, a comment on a TV show, and a tweet. The 61-year-old was first questioned by police in 2019 after she criticized 
the Finnish Lutheran Church, of which she was a member, or its official support of LGBT, uh, LGBT, BT, I guess they didn't have the Q back then, Pride event. She stood in truth while this supposed church is not standing in truth. She's loving homosexuals by sharing truth with them. That church is not. They're loving themselves. Jesus said the truth will set you free. You know what lies do? They damn souls to hell. Goes on to say here, following the uh, discussion by the prosecutor to bring formal charges, the 61-year-old said she would not stop sharing her views. Pray for this woman. God, we pray you bless her tonight. She said, quote, I cannot accept that voicing my religious beliefs could mean imprisonment. I do not consider myself guilty of threatening, slandering, or insulting anyone. My statements were all based on the Bible's teaching on marriage and sexuality. I will defend my right to confess my faith so that no one else would be deprived of their right of freedom of religion and speech. I hold on to the view that my expressions are legal and they should not be censored. I will not back down from my views. I will not be intimidated into hiding my faith. The more Christians keep silent on controversial themes, the narrow the space for freedom of speech gets. I agree with her 100%. Because people say, don't say that. You're going to lose your right to free speech. I just lost it if I don't say it. Praise God for this woman. And yet this is happening in so many places. Some of you guys might have seen this headline, London pastor arrested for sermon on marriage. Quote, I was only saying what the Bible says. This happened last week. This is from Friday, April 30th. Last week, a pastor was arrested in London after he delivered a public sermon on the biblical definition of marriage out of Genesis 1. John Sherwood, who was 71 years old and the pastor of North London Church, was arrested April 23rd in the center of London under the public order of making allegedly homophobic comments, according to the Daily Mail. A video shows him standing on top of a steep stool before being handcuffed and led away by police as a crowd watch. One person can be heard gasping in shock. Quote, for a man preaching about Christianity, a woman says in the video, critical of police action. It says later he was released, praise God, but they're still investigating the matter. Do You guys see where this is at? You see, maybe some of you that have been here for years, why I've talked about this for years. It hasn't been, oh, why are we talking about this? I don't like talking about it. I don't like talking about it. But I'm mandated by God to talk about it. Because I've seen for a long time, this is the thing the enemy's going to use to villainize fundamental Christians that said, we're, we're not moving off this. We're going to stand in the teachings of Jesus Christ. This is loving God. This is loving our neighbor. And I'll tell you, the individual to say, yeah, censor them and shut them up. Let me tell you, you're next. You are next. A couple other ones. And, and my friend from Canada, Wally, just told me about this last week. And then I see the article um, headline, Canada introduces bill to police all Internet speech. So now we've moved from Western Europe to the Western Hemisphere Canada that's supposed to be like I guess I've never you know I've thought of Canada as like you know they're they got you know they say a and house but you know you think of them with many of, of the same freedoms and so forth that we have here and yet Trudeau 
is introducing this legislation not that they would just censor facebook which just listen bottom line that's just a website just so you know don't give old zuckenberger too much power it's a website so is youtube's like how i pluralize that that's that that's the way i mock them youtube's even though hey we're on youtube right now god bless you watching <laughs> they're just websites though that's all that's a website that's an app i can let some website and we've been shadow banned. I got shadow banned a few weeks ago from one of these Wednesday night sermons. Like we were reaching, no one's getting notifications. Like it's just like, it's like they just gummed up the wheel of it or whatever. I'm like, you know what, whatever. God's in control. But this guy's talking about censoring the entire internet in Canada. And what specifically is he wanting to censor? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And anyone that would criticize their communist direction that they are rapidly headed towards i mean they are just embracing this hook line and speed sinker one really interesting side note and then i got a few more headlines for you guys and then we're gonna we're gonna get into this because this sets up this this chapter uh jack chick we have a lot of jack chick tracks in 1982 and jack chick's gonna be with the lord jack chick wrote a book called smoke screens and in that book he talks about justin trudeau's father building reconditioning camps for canadians in canada there's a push to put people in those reconditioning camps right now in canada you're not gonna hear it on mainly mainstream news but they've leaked uh emails at the beginning of covid that basically ends in them seizing everyone's property and those who don't go along going to these reconditioning camps They leaked it. Then they said, no, we're not going to do that. It was a three-year plan. A year and a half in, everything is hit exactly as they said it would hit. Am I saying that's where it will go? I don't know because my God's on the throne. I know many in Canada are waking up to righteousness, and they're saying, listen, we're not going to go along with this. And God can use a remnant. You know, God can use a little remnant, a couple little Christians, a few little bodies of Christ over here to impact an entire nation. You need to remember that. Remember, Gideon had 300 guys with him. Everyone else, go home. We need 300 men of faith here. So remember that. God loves using Davids to slay Goliaths. It's throughout the scriptures. But you know what? It's interesting how those things are on the cusp of happening. And here's a man, a God, writing about it, you know, in 1982. And then here's another one. You guys probably saw the Polish pastor. They showed up at his church uh, uh, on the Saturday before Resurrection Sunday and he called them a bunch of Nazis and kicked them out. You're like, oh, yeah, ah, you know, this guy, this is awesome. Well, listen, headline, Canadian court empowers police to do anything necessary to disrupt church, his church. And they basically have given them power that if they show up and they feel like any of their guidance has been violated, we can arrest him right now and go interrogate him because that dude just straight up embarrassed them on a, in a world platform. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. I know in our country, if you come and you interrupt a church service, it is definitely a crime. And it's the same thing up there. Um, And then last one, I'm not going to read this. It says, prominent evangelist banned from American Airlines after preaching. And he's banned for no reason or recourse. Uh, a, A minister named Mike Gendron, you might have heard of him. He has a ministry especially for... Uh, Roman Catholics and sharing truth with them 
to bring them out of religion to relationship with Jesus Christ. And this guy on American Airlines had accumulated 2 million miles of flying. This guy's busy. And yet on the flight, he had his mask on the whole time, went along with the protocol. And in a layover, they came to him and they said, you're not going back on the plane. And he says, why? Well, you weren't wearing your mask. He said, yes, I am. No evidence, nothing. And so now he's trying to get to the bottom of it. But people have suggested who are kind of in the know that there's individuals that know of his ministry. And that's how he got banned from going back on there. Now, again, I think we're going to see way more of these types of things. We're going to see way more of this kind of stuff in our country, especially when you read headlines like this. Joe Biden gives abortion industry $467.8 billion, 19 times more tax money than Obama to the cause of abortion. Half a trillion dollars a year towards abortion. And sadly, how many professing Christians went and voted for this guy? People get mad at me when I talk about this. But to me, the sanctity of life is the number one issue when you go to the ballot box. Number one issue. Only 5% of evangelical surveys say it's the number one issue. That is sad and pathetic. And this isn't just a Democratic Republic thing. I've shared with you guys before. Listen, when Roe versus Wade was introduced, it was a Republican majority Supreme Court that voted that in. But when you got a president who is saying half a trillion dollars a year for abortion, and you can say whatever you want about the guy before, and there's a lot that can be said, but that dude was solid pro-life. I mean, he put pro-life Supreme Court justice there, and we need to pray for them that they stay that way because some of these guys got a, got a way of changing over the years, like, you know, the Roberts character and whatnot. But anyhow, listen, we could go on and on and on. What I'm trying to point out in this is this is what's going on today. This is where we're at today. It might be a little different from them and specifically that church, but these things are happening and they're on the rise. And hear this tonight, we don't have to be fearful. We're not fear-mongering here. This isn't talked about. Jesus doesn't talk about this, you know, to fear-monger like the kings and rulers of this earth and the enemy of our soul. He's just being straight with them. He said, you want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? Then take up your cross and follow me. You got to die to yourself in this world. This world is under the sway of the wicked one. And there's a spirit of Antichrist alive in it. You're going to live for me. You're going to live for the world. But in living for the Lord, you don't lose your life. You know what you get? You gain it. There's more joy found in going through the fire with Jesus Christ than you're ever going to find in the world and what it has to offer. So notice verse 8. Like, oh, we can have a Bible study now. To the angel of the church in, in Smyrna write. And so remember, the, 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 the angel here, it's the God the Father giving this to Jesus, giving it to an angel, giving it to John for his church. And then specifically in Revelation 1-1 to his servants. Are you a servant of the Lord tonight? And then to he who has an ear to hear. Lord, give us an ear to hear. And listen, his words are truth. His words are righteous. There's nothing crooked or perverse in them. And we're called to receive his instruction more than silver, gold, rubies, or anything else. Proverbs 8, 7 through 11. Spoken of there. 
And we also, again, remember, we know about this writing, about this epistle. Blessed is he who reads, hears, and keeps the words of this prophecy. Help us to do that. So the angel to the church. And so it's writing to Smyrna, as we just read. It's a church that had been persecuted, a church that was going to be persecuted. This also seems to clearly be the church from about A.D. 64 to A.D. 312 in history. There's kind of an overlap between these churches. But we know that period of time, we'll talk more about this in a second, was greatly, greatly persecuted by Rome and others. Again, this is also for us. These letters are all for us in our time. Notice, though, to the angel of that church. And there might be some that would argue, listen, this church was so persecuted and went through so much tribulation. Where were their angels? I thought God gives his angels charge over us. They have an angel. Where was he stepping in on all of this? And one thing you got to know that when it comes to these things in the heavenlies and our lives and so forth, God has a perfect plan for all of us. God had a perfect plan for that church, a perfect plan for that period of time. And sometimes in his angels, giving them charge over us, sometimes it's, it's walking in what we look at as great conquering and victory, you know, from our perspective. Other times, listen, it's conquering and victory from God's perspective. And if this church went through tribulations and persecutions and so forth, from man's perspective, it might have been they're losing But absolutely, from God's perspective, they were winning. Because it said before, listen, the the church of Jesus Christ was in part founded by the blood of the martyrs. And spread by the blood of the martyrs. And sometimes it's God's angels he gives charge over us, just ministering encouragement in the only way that they can. And some of this is mysterious. And bringing provisions. You know, how many times do we read about prophets and God bringing these miraculous provisions and so forth and comfort and i think about the lord himself when he was tempted you know in the wilderness for 40 days after those temptations were put down through the word of god it says afterwards there in mark 112 or 113 then angels ministered to him and so i just came that kind of came to my mind when i look at this church going through this as jesus went through that tribulation the angels ministered to him and i believe this angel here definitely ministered to this church in this way We always got to remember, even in the darkest days, in the midst of persecutions, tribulations, in the midst of things going on right now, and things that will go on, listen, the Lord is always with us, and His angels are always encamped around us. Remember that. We got to remember that in the midst of these things, in the midst of fear-mongering. Maybe even in the midst of me reading these articles, maybe some of you feel like, man, my heart's sinking in me right now. We need not fear. I think about Elisha. When, you know what, the armies of Israel were surrounded and his servants said, listen, they outnumber us and so forth. And he answered him in 2 Kings six sixteen. He says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And listen, our God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Such is the case for us as well. So always remember that. Always know God's going before us. Now, Smyrna, it means myrrh. It is absolutely a picture of suffering. Myrrh means to suffer. Smyrna itself, it was a port city 35, 35 miles north of Ephesus that we 
looked at last week. And listen, Smyrna, meaning myrrh, it was known for its perfume products, as well as we know it for a persecuted church. Talked about history from 64 AD to 312 AD, kind of that second wave that came after that first century church. That church was greatly, greatly persecuted. They estimate up to 6 million Christians were martyred during that period of time. I would say the population of the world was far less than what it, what it is today. Polycarp, who was John's, the Apostle John's apprentice, or you know, the man he raised up, eventually became the bishop of this church. And I'll refer back to Fox's Book of Martyrs. I talked about that a few weeks ago. We got more copies of that in the bookstore. I recommend everyone to read that book at least once in their life. He was burned at the stake for his Christian witness and testimony and ministry. And when they were trying him, before they burned him at the stake, he said, quote, 80 and six years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with fire that burns for a season and a little while is quenched, but you're ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked. And then he said, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Isn't that awesome? And that's just a picture of the Lord undergirding his servant. And absolutely, listen, God's going to undergird and wants to undergird us no matter what will come our way. So he says, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. We know this is Christ. We've established this in the previous verses. I'm the first and I'm the last. Listen, that's a picture of the Lord having it all in control. And when you're being persecuted, when there's tribulation, when you're living in a time like today where these men and women in high places are trying to convince you that they're in control, it's easy to start believing that. But listen, God's in control. Jesus Christ is the first. Jesus Christ is the last. Colossians 1.16, He created all things. And then Colossians 1.17, In Him all things consist. And even these little tyrants in high places that are doing all that they're doing, they're ignorant of the fact that God's the one that just gave them their last breath. And God's the one being merciful to them, to them as well, giving them opportunity to repent. And God's also the one, if they continue to shun Him and die in their sin, will pour out His wrath on their head. I thank you that Jesus took the wrath to me on the cross of Calvary. Again, I'm the first and the last. This is, a, again, the first and the last. It's also a picture that I'm with you. I'm constant. I'm always there. It's easy to start thinking when the fire heats up that the Lord's not there. But listen, the opposite is true. We looked at Daniel recently. and We saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they were thrown to the fire for their testimony. They went about to that idol that Nebuchadnezzar put up, a picture of a type of antichrist. They throw him in the fire that Nebuchadnezzar looked back as they were alive in there. I, I threw in three. Why do I see four? The four is like what? Like the son of God. Absolutely. He's with us in the midst of the fire. Let's remember that. And let's remember in that he works all things for good. Jeremiah 29, 11, Romans 8, 28. Again, he says, I was dead and I came to life. Again, Smyrna associated with myrrh, which is associated with Jesus. One of the gifts he was given as a child from those wise men from the east that were actually the product of Daniel's ministry historically. And it was also used to embalm him when he laid down his life. 
And yet, why did he lay down his life? He died that many in Smyrna who believed in Christ, who were martyred, was as well, would as well come to life. And it's the same that's true for us. Listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And also to have the confidence the day is coming when the body will be resurrected when Christ comes for his church. And again, mortality will be swallowed up within mortality. And in these things, God's charging us. He tells them, he tells us in other places, do not fear. Remember, we saw this a few weeks ago, Revelation 117. When I saw him, I fell as dead at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I'm the first, the last. I am he who lives, who is dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys to Hades and death. Do not fear, Christian. Put your trust in the Lord. Your God won't leave you. He won't forsake you. We're in the Lord's economy. God has a way of providing for persecuted prophets, even through crows, bringing them food. Even through widows, you know what, who say, I'm going to eat a piece of bread tonight, me and my kid, and we're going to die because it's all going to be gone. Allowing that to go day after day after day after day to not only feed him, but also the widow and her child. You know what I'm talking about in the Word of God, right? Back in Kings. That's who our God is. God has called us not to fear, but instead, look, to look with expectation of the things God's going to do to see us through this day that we're living in right now. Absolutely. Verse 9, he says, I know your works, tribulation, your poverty, but you're rich. There is no fanfare in this church. Listen, there was no fanfare of being a servant in this church. No big name celebrities outside of Polycarp, and they burn him at the stake. No doubt all the works that were done were done underground. Yet listen, God saw them all. I know your works. That's an encouragement for us not to grow weary in the good works God has called us to be about. Notice this as well. I know your tribulation. We talked about tribulations and persecutions and touched on a few of them that happens to those that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. And when that's going on, the enemy will come along and whisper, God's not with you. God doesn't know. No, he knows. He knows our tribulation. He knows our persecution. And the good news is that he's aware and he'll act. Listen, the scripture says, blessed are those uh, who mourn, they'll be comforted. He wants to comfort you in tribulation. And then he also says in Hebrews 10, 30, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And he will. He also says here, I know your poverty. This was a church that had a lack of physical possessions. They didn't have a lot. Their faith cost them a lot. They refused to say Caesar is Lord. They said Jesus is Lord. And most likely it cost them even their ability to make a living. Yet Jesus could relate. Because Jesus himself said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And we're even charged in Corinthians 1, 7, 30, those that buy should live as if they don't possess. We're blessed with a lot of possessions. We're blessed as a church. We're blessed with much in the West. But he says, live as you, if you don't possess them, because if you live as you possess them, you know what happens? They possess you. And you don't want that. They were impoverished, and yet they were rich. Listen, they were rich with eternal reward to come. 
Jesus said in Luke 6, 22, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, leap for enjoy. Notice, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. In like manner they did to the fathers, to the prophets. They had a great reward stacked in heaven that was being added to as they stood firm for Christ, even in the midst of tribulation and persecution. Do you understand right now this is opportunity for us to store treasure in heaven? People are like, oh no, I might lose this, I might lose that. I lost this, I lost that. But as you stand firm for the Lord, you're gaining so much more. Rewards in heaven. Devil don't want you thinking like this. This is how God wants us to think. But listen, they also were rich on earth. This was a church that no doubt had great character. God has no rebuke for them. It's a church that moved with endurance to the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, trials and tribulations do practically purest, though it's a process that will never be completed till we go to be with the Lord. That's a thing of great wealth. They were no doubt strengthened greatly through the Holy Spirit. Again, when you're on the fire, I know in my life and the trials, it seems I feel so much closer to the Lord because I got nowhere to turn but Jesus. That's something of great wealth. No doubt they had great faith, which is of such value. Listen, when you got nothing to hold on but Jesus, it's when you're in your richest state here on earth. Think about that woman with the blood full. She, she spent all her money trying to get healing, and then she finally came down. She heard about Jesus. She said, I touched the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. As she touched him, she was completely restored. She had everything in Christ. And no doubt they had such a rich witness to a lost world. That's a powerful thing when people still stand for Christ in the midst of persecution. It's hard to, ca- to call those type of Christians hypocrites, is it not? Compare them with the church of Laodicea. Most say it's the end times church. Church with so much materialism and so forth. And it's not so much what you have, it's how you approach what you have. And if you worship what you have or do you worship the one who's given you what you have. But he says to them in Revelation three seventeen, Because you say I am rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do you not know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked? And then he counsels them to repent of that. We want to anchor our hope in the Lord. We want to recognize that again, our great wealth is found in glory. In fact, Ephesians says that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. All this stuff here though, all of it here, is going to burn. You come in with nothing, you leave with nothing. Talked about it a few weeks ago. Paul says, I count everything as I lost as dung. It's a dunghill. That's what it is. Some got nicer dunghills than others, but that's all it is. These guys were stacking, you know what, Holy Ghost Bitcoin in heaven and whatnot, you know. I don't think, you know, no, we're going to have roads paved with gold, not Bitcoin up there. <laughs> he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. You know, when you came to Christ spiritually, the Bible says you became a Jew. Like, what in the world? Romans 2, 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcised, nor is circumcised, nor circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he who is a Jew, uh, but he who is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision of the heart, and the spirit, not the letter, whose praise is not for men, but God. Remember singing that song, Father Abraham and many sons? 
I'm one of them, and so are you. Abraham, you can say, is the first Jew in the Bible. When we put our faith in the Lord, we became children of Abraham in the sense that we're saved the same way he is. Abraham believed in God, and God counted it as righteousness. Now make no mistake, listen. There's still Jews in the world, and they're still legitimate Jews. Bible speaks about them. Romans 11 speaks about this. It says that we were grafted in. Those that didn't believe in Christ that were Jews were broken off. But the day's coming when all of Israel will be saved. And that's talking about literal Jews with the genealogy of a Jew in their DNA. We talked about this many times. Paul's not talking about either of those groups. He's talking about those who blaspheme God by saying they're Jews and they're not, but are the synagogue of Satan. No doubt he's talking in part about those who say that they are saved and they're not. And I'll tell you one thing that just about every cult has in common. They say that they are Israel now and all the promises given to Israel belong to them. That's a satanic doctrine. There's also a lot of Christians who have faith in Christ and spiritually, yes, you could say they're a Jew spiritually, but then they go on to say that we practically as well have replaced Israel. It's called replacement theology, and that is a theology rooted in ignorance. Because again, there in Romans 11, it says, do not be ignorant concerning Israel. All Israel will be saved. Now, are they of the synagogue of Satan? I don't think that they are, because on one hand, they are spiritual Jews, but I can tell you at the minimum, they're grossly ignorant in an area that God has told them not to be. And they're walking oftentimes with a unbiblical view towards Israel and Jews in the world today, which most of them are unsaved and need to get saved. And many of them have done many things in the world that are not good, but all the more it shows the great grace of God Almighty. Ultimately, he says, I know who they are. I know they blaspheme. They're the synagogue of Satan. And listen, this is a word of encouragement to them because this was probably one of the groups persecuting them. And he says, listen, I know them. I know your tribulation and I know them. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Then in verse 10, he says, do not fear. Hear this tonight. Soak this in, Christian. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Is that not good news tonight? God has not called us to fear. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Walk with the sound mind with the promises of God before you. He says, don't fear any things which you're about to suffer. That doesn't sound good, but the Lord's being honest with them. He says, you're going to suffer, but don't fear the future. You know who does that? Non-believers do that. The world does that. Jesus is speaking at the end of the age in Luke 21, 25. He says, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And notice verse 26, men's hearts failing them from what? From fear and the expectations of those things which are coming on the earth. They're fearful of what will happen. We need not fear. Because even in every trial, tribulation, and persecution, our Lord goes with us, and our God desires to work it for His glory and for our good. 
In fact, 2 Peter or 1 Peter 4.13 says, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of the sufferings of Christ, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Tonight, this is not a message of fear-mongering. This is a message of faith, trust in the Lord. Our God's honest with us, but He says, Do not fear, I'm going to go before you. And then He says, He tells them what's going to happen. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you'll have tribulation 10 days. Some will say, how in the world can the devil do this? We look to 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15 on Sunday. Satan has ministers, individuals that do his bidding. Some know that they do, others don't. But listen, he has the whole world under his sway. No doubt he was influencing probably those from the synagogue of Satan to drum up some rules and so forth. Maybe like, hey, if you pray to anyone other than, uh, you know what, Caesar for, you know, the next 30 days, you're going to prison. Or maybe it had to do with one of these charges we looked at today with this, you know, what sexuality and all this stuff. Either way, the devil worked through some people eventually to throw them into prison. And he says, in that time, you're you're going to be tested. I, I find it amazing how many believers of God go to prison in the Bible. You ever sit back and think about that? I mean, one after another. It's like, if you're going to be a Christian, it's like thug life. <laughs> Joseph, Jeremiah, Samson, Daniel, John the Baptist, John the Apostle, Peter. Paul's in it all the time, man. Jesus Christ was in prison. And so many around the day, and I know some some in the West say, oh, no, let it never be us. Let it never be us. If it's us, guess what? Jesus rolls in the prison, man. He's going to go before you. He says you're going to be tested. Trials show who you are. They reveal whether you have a root or not, Luke 8, 13. They show us who we are. No doubt with this church, it would show that they were true believers in the Lord. He says you're going to be there for 10 days. Maybe it was a literal 10 days for them. We know in that period of church history, there were 10 waves of persecution under 10 Caesars in that time of 64 AD, starting with Titus to about 312 AD. We're almost done here. He says, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Be loyal. Be faithful to the end. Cleave on to the Lord. Listen, he won't let you go. Don't let go of him. Hear this tonight. The finish line is close. You recognize that? Our life's like a shadow. It's like a vapor. And he says, you're going to get the crown of life. This isn't about them earning their salvation. This is about, you know what, talents and rewards and crowns. Paul said at the end of his race, finally there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And he says, that's not only for me, but all those who love his appearing. You know when you find yourself loving the appearing of the Lord the most? When you're being persecuted. <laughs> when you're going through a trial, tribulation. Have you been in the middle of tribulation? Oh, come soon, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go right now. Oh, Lord, I'm ready to go right now. Little do you know you're adding some jewels to that crown right now in heaven in that. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. In a few weeks, we'll see. What do the elders do, which I think represents the church in heaven? What do they do with their crowns? 
It says they take them, and you know what they do with them? They don't strut around and say, check out my crown, y'all. They take it, and they put it at the foot of the Lord to worship him. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you hear tonight? That's a choice we got to make. Am I going to hear, or am I going to plug my ears? Am I going to listen to God's word, or am I going to listen to the words of the world, my flesh, and the enemy of my soul? No, God, give us an ear to hear. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Can we all say amen to that tonight, even as a prayer for us? And then finally he says, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What's the second death? It's real simple. The second death is hell. Revelation twenty fourteen. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me ask you, is Jesus your Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? The scriptures say you're registered in heaven in Hebrews. We're not going to be subjected to the second death. We're not going to be resurrected and given a body that is in torment forever. But to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And the Lord one day soon is coming for his church. And these bodies will be transformed. Those on earth caught up. Those whose bodies are in the earth. They're coming back with the Lord and spirit. They're going to be caught up first. And you're going to see dust. You know what? Immortality swallowed up by immortality. Their blessings found in this. Not good. This is awesome. Our God is so good. As we close here tonight, it's my prayer tonight that you've been encouraged in the Lord. It's my prayer that 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 you know we we have a biblical perspective of what's going on in the world. People say, "Oh, this time of uncertainty." I'm certain what's going on, and I'm certain as well that my God's on His throne. And he's going to go before us every step along the way. And he's a God of miracles. He's a God of wonderment. He's a God that has promised to provide for his people. To see us through. To use every bend in the road for good. Every trial, every tribulation, every persecution. To go before us. And he'll be with us till the end of the age and all eternity. Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you glory, Lord. We thank you. For this letter to the church of Smyrna. And we thank you Lord that it is, a, it is a letter for us God. Let us rejoice in the encouragements God. Let us God not be simple minded people who love our simple ways. And you say in the Proverbs how long are you going to be there? But let us be a people being found moving into maturity. Walking in reality. Walking in the truth of your word, but above all that abounding in the fact that you are on the throne, we need not fear because our God is going before us. Shine your face on your people here tonight. God, I thank you for them. Lord, bless that woman there, that politician, God, in Finland. Lord, be with her. I thank you for her bold stance. God, go before her. Let her testify of Christ crucified and raised from the dead in the midst of these court hearings, God. Give her the words to say, God. I pray she would be used to spark a revival in that nation that is marked with so much godlessness. Be with that brother, God, these brothers in Canada, God, standing strong for the Lord. Our brothers and sisters, God, in China, those in the Middle East. And God, I thank you that you even love the church in America, God. Bless your children, God, in this nation. 
as absolutely God. There's persecution and trials found for those that live desire, desire to live God in Christ Jesus. Strengthen your people. And tonight, listen, if you haven't come to Christ, He stands ready to wash, to cleanse you, to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior. Humble your heart and call upon Christ. Confess your sin, accept forgiveness, and put your faith in the risen Lord, and He'll meet you where you are at even right now. We thank you and praise you, God. Bless the rest of our evening. What a beautiful night. Bless our fellowship, God. Let us encourage one another, exhort one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. God bless you.